All right, let's go ahead and get started. Let's all stand, page 349. Many years I travel on this weary road, but fleeting changes tried to share some load. Now my work is finished, it's mighty slow. I've been waiting, Lord, to go. I've been waiting, waiting on this shore. Long I travel, ain't gonna travel no more. Shades of evening falling, steps getting slow. I've been waiting, Lord, to go. getting dead but I have my Savior I can trust in him and the friends are yonder by the river's flow I've been waiting Lord to go I've been waiting waiting on this shore long I travel ain't gonna travel no more shades of evening falling steps getting Man, while I cross the river to a better land, open wide the portals, play a little slow. I've been waiting, Lord, to go. I've been waiting, waiting on this shore. Long I travel, ain't gonna travel no more. Shades of evening falling, steps getting slow. that trip's going to be very, very soon. Amen. Brother Leo Gertz, you open us in a word of prayer tonight. may be seated, page 365. There's not a friend like the Lord Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our souls. Like the lowly Jesus. 
Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No friend like him is so high and holy. No, not one. No, not one. And yet no friend is so big and lowly. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggle. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one. No, not one. No, not so dark, but he does not cheer us. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggle. He will guide to the not a friend like the holy Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggle. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Page 120. Come and heal my broken spirit And somehow 
page 57. Let's all stand one more time.
somebody you love them tonight have a little bit of fellowship if you need to bring any tithes and offerings at this time you can do that now do tonight. I just uh, got a note from Debbie that we really need to pray for Sister Peggy Phillips. She's in ICU with COVID and having a very rough time of it. We need to really pray for her. And we need to pray one for the other. Can I get a witness right there? We all need prayer. And So I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just spend some time around the altars tonight. Uh, before we get start, go further with the service tonight, we don't really have any announcements. Anybody in here need prayer? Anybody at all? I do. I, I need a lot of it. So let's just gather around the altars and pray together tonight. Y'all come on.
sing loud enough without a microphone. <clears throat> Got to get it in the right gear. <clears throat> This song is uh, Under Grace. <clears throat> Just try to make your east away to the old sun's lowest Chief accuser lost of war The record of my sin erased Is buried deep under grace I could not meet the lost God in mercy had a plan His son's own blood my sin erased My pardon now reads under grace Under grace guilt is gone. My chief accuser lost of war. The record of my sin erased is buried deep under Under grace, amen. Thank God it is grace too, amen. Uh, Brother Warren, would you come help me tonight? Get Brother Terry to help you. And the two of y'all come pass these out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This will be our third lesson tonight on this discipleship course and and uh, we're going to be looking at a subject tonight that I think every Christian needs to know almost by heart. And we're going to be dealing with the gospel tonight and uh, defining it for you and showing you exactly where you can find it in your Bible. And uh, I remember whenever we went to out to Brother Stacy Roberts' uh, ordination service a little while back earlier this year, 
uh, we took him in the back and we were questioning him. The presbytery was questioning Brother Stacy. And one of the questions I asked him, I said, Brother Stacy, if I were to ask you where the, you could find the gospel, could you tell us? And he said, yes, sir, 1 Corinthians 15. And I've drilled that in in people, in preachers especially, that 1 Corinthians 15 is where the declaration of the gospel is found. And we're going to look at that tonight and then pray that it... <clears throat> Has everybody got one? The only person I know that don't got one is me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. I can read it several times, can I? But we want to we wanna look at this tonight out of 1 Corinthians 15, and I want you to always remember that chapter 1 Corinthians 15, the entire chapter, all 58 verses, is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going we're gonna to learn some things tonight, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. But I want you to look in 1 Corinthians 15. Everybody say that with me. 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to say it one more time. 1 Corinthians 15. Don't ever forget that. I'll, I'll show you another way to remember it. There's 16 chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's the next to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is defined and declared for us by the Apostle Paul. And so we're going to be looking at the gospel, the subject, the doctrine of the gospel tonight, and, uh, and considering that and learning some things about it. And I pray that this... This lesson will be a help to you. I do want to say before we get into the lesson, uh, I do want to ask you personally to pray for Brother Tim Mitchell. Uh, Brother Tim had the COVID and they put him on a brand new medicine that has not been studied and it's messed with him deeply, deeply emotionally, uh, nerves and things like that. And we need to really keep Brother Tim Mitchell in prayer that God would be with him and touch him. I should have mentioned that before we came to pray, but while I was in prayer, I did pray for Brother Tim. Brother Tim, if you're watching, I prayed for you. And we'll continue and, and uh, everything's going to be fine. But that medicine is it's FDA approved, but they've not really studied it out. And they put Brother Tim on a very powerful, powerful antibiotic. And he's not been able to sleep. He told me uh, this afternoon on the way to church that last night he may have gotten one hour of sleep at total. And uh, he said, if I don't get some sleep tonight, Brother John, I don't know what to do. And I told him, I said, you get to the emergency room and let them examine you and evaluate you. So you continue to pray for Brother Tim that God would be with him. What chapter did I tell you to remember? 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we want to begin tonight, and we'll look at it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin our study tonight. Our Heavenly Father tonight, Lord, we love you and love you so much, Lord. Thank you for being so wonderful to every one of us. Lord God, you, you've been mighty kind to this church, and we appreciate it, Lord, from the depths of our heart. 
And Lord, tonight as we undertake to learn some things about the gospel, I pray, God, that you would open our, the eyes of our understanding that we might see things tonight maybe we've never considered. And God, that you'd please touch every one of us even now. I love you, Lord, and I thank you and praise you for loving us and being so good to us. Now, God, touch every one of us, and we're thankful for what you'll do in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. We're going to open up reading together 1 Corinthians 15, verse the first four verses, where it says like this, Moreover, brethren, I declare. Now, the gospel is a declaration. It's not a debate. There's not a... There's not a, a fuss about it or anything like that. It is a declaration. He said, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. And there, ha there are some people that have believed in the wrong thing, and they've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Here's the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now brethren, that, that statement, those verses are the gospel in its completeness. There's not anything else that we need to know about the gospel. Nothing less that we need to know about the gospel. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at our study sheets together tonight. And we'll go through this. And I pray that, as I said, I pray that you'll learn some things tonight. It is the aim of this series of studies to teach certain doctrines which are essential for your growth of faith. We've already considered two foundational doctrines, the Word of God and who is Jesus Christ. It is absolutely necessary for any child of God to understand that the Word of God is our only source of authority in all matters of faith. And concerning Jesus Christ, He is the foundation upon which everything else is built in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, we read these words, For other foundation... Can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And we build everything upon Him. The Word of God and Jesus Christ misunderstand or underestimate the importance of those two doctrines. And your life will be unstable as a child of God. In this study, we want to consider the gospel and its importance. There are many thoughts about the gospel and many are the attacks upon it. It has been cheapened, criticized, and blatantly changed from its declaration until now. Paul dealt with those who tried to substitute the gospel with a fabricated lie in his day. And there are many today who proclaim other gospels which, as Paul said, are not another. Writing to the church at Galatia, Paul exposed and pronounced a curse on those who would dare try to corrupt his Savior's gospel. In Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9, we read these words, powerful words uh, pronounced by Paul and by God himself. He said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, what, what Marty just sang about, unto another gospel. He said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. 
But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, look at this, let him be accursed. That means damned to hell. That means damned from God. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Powerful, strong words that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote concerning this thought about the gospel. And that's why, I'm, that's why it's so important that we understand what the gospel is and the importance of it. Why did Paul defiantly defend the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is the only gospel with the power to save. In Romans 1.16, it says it like this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we want to understand the gospel and be sure we know how to show someone else from the scriptures the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to consider this thought of dispensations tonight. I feel like it's necessary that we understand this thought of dispensations and we'll, we're going to look at that. Throughout the Bible, God dealt with people in different ways. And this is known as dispensations this, the word dispensation simply means distribution or dispensing. The period of dispensing something to someone. That's the definition of it. In the setting of the Bible, it is defined as the dealing of God to His creatures. Until the actual death of Jesus Christ, the Old Testament revealed several of these dispensations. For example... In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. He placed them in a garden of, in Eden, blessed them, and gave them complete dominion over His creation. This period of time has been called the dispensation of innocence because until the fall of Adam and Eve, they lived in innocence. God had given them only one command which forbid them from eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is how God dealt with, or in dispensational terms, this is what God dispensed to Adam and Eve. It is clearly different for us today. We are not in the garden, and we certainly are not innocent. Can I get a witness right there? Another dispensation in the Old Testament is known as the Mosaic Dispensation, or the Dispensation of Law. During this time of God's dealing with man, he chose a certain man, Moses, to lead God's people out of Egypt. Once he had delivered them, he revealed ten commands to Moses and the Israelites. These are, there are several differences that we need to note between the way God dealt with Adam and the way he dealt with Moses. There were only two people involved in the dispensation of innocence. There was an entire nation under the Mosaic Dispensation. There was only one command for Adam while there were ten initial commands for Moses and his people. Things were different between the two. And no one was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in either of these dispensations. 
There were certain types and foreshadowings of Christ's work at Calvary all through the Old Testament, but no one was preaching that particular gospel. Turning from the pages of the Old Testament into the New Testament and beginning with the four gospel accounts, the dispensation of law is still God's way of dealing with people. When Jesus was questioned by a lawyer concerning eternal life, he referred him to the law. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, this lawyer says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, look at the reply of the Lord, Thou hast answered right this do, and thou shalt live. They were still under the dispensation of law. This certainly is a misunderstood truth about the four gospel accounts recorded at the beginning of the New Testament. A lot of people turn the pages between the Old Testament and New Testament. They come into the Matthew and they begin reading about the birth of Christ. They go on into Mark and they read it all over again. Luke, John, they think, well, we're in the New Testament now. No, you're still up under the law in the beginning of those four gospel accounts. So... When did the New Testament actually begin? That's what we want to learn tonight. The book of Hebrews tells us the exact moment it started. In Hebrews 9 verses 15 through 17, we read these words. And for this cause, he, Jesus Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that, that old testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, look at this, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. When did the New Testament actually begin? It began the moment Jesus Christ, who is the testator of the New Testament, died. The moment that Jesus Christ died, that New Testament began. Up until then, you're still up under the Old Testament. Until the actual death of Jesus Christ, the dispensation of law was still in effect. When Jesus yielded his spirit to his father, the New Testament began or a new dispensation started. In Luke 23, 46, it said, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. That is the exact moment the New Testament began. This dispensation started with the death of burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was revealed to Paul in the New Testament. Look at these words that Paul wrote about this dispensation that we are now living in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We read it like this. It said, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, 
If ye have heard, look at this, of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's what we're talking about tonight. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. What Paul said, he said that dispensation of the grace of God was revealed unto me. It was not revealed unto those up under the Old Testament. God revealed it to me and now I'm showing it to you. When the New Testament commenced, God began a new way of dealing with man commonly known as the dispensation of the grace of God. The period of time in which we are now living is a different dispensation altogether from any other time. This dispensation includes the preaching of the gospel of Christ, the spirit of God working to convict sinners, and the church as God's mouthpiece for truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15 he says this, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is... The church of the living God. Look at this. He's telling us what we are. The pillar and ground of the truth. If there's one thing that the church should stand for. Then the church is established and stationed in the world. As the proclaimer and defender of the truth. Concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel was given to the Apostle Paul and he recorded it for us and distinctly declared and defined what that gospel is in our opening text. We're going to read it again. I want this ingrained in your spirit. I want it, I want it deep down within you. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4, Paul said this, Moreover, brethren, I declare... Unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This was not what Moses was preaching. This is not what Elijah was preaching. It is the gospel of the grace of God. He said which I preached unto you which ye have received. Wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It is so important that every child of God be familiar with and know where to find the gospel in his Bible. There will be those who will declare another gospel by adding something to or taking away from this gospel. Some will add good works, baptism, talking in tongues, or membership in a particular church. And on the other hand, others will take away from the gospel by neglecting the reason Christ died, which was for our sins. First of all, 
for, for someone to be saved, for anyone to be saved, the gospel must be declared. Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 says this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And secondly, concerning someone being saved, the gospel must be believed. In Romans 10, verse 9 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Brother Mike Blanton preached so wonderfully to us those passages. Many today have, as our text says, believed in vain. They're trusting in something to save them that God will not accept. Christ mentioned those who trust in something other than himself for salvation. In Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus said this. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's not but one thing that God will accept today for salvation, and that is for someone to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. In Acts 4.12, there is, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none under the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. John 14.6, Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everything concerning the gospel is about Jesus Christ alone. Nothing can be added to or taken from the gospel. It is God's account of what His Son did for us, understanding the gospel. The gospel includes three distinct elements in His presentation. They are one, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Two, that he was buried. And three, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The word gospel means good message or good news. The first element of this wonderful news is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. How, how, that is so important that we understand the, the thrust of that word, how. Christ died and why he died is the first and foremost part of presenting the gospel to anyone. The scriptures are the only source for the revelation of how and why Christ died. He died as a sacrificial lamb 
John Baptist declared Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God at one of his baptisms. In John 1, 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Because of the Ten Commandments, which God revealed in the days of Moses, it was needful for some means of forgiveness to be implemented for those who broke God's law. An innocent lamb was God's choice as a sacrifice to atone for anyone's sins. The blood of the lamb was to be shed and his body was to be offered as the propitiation or payment for someone. In other words, a lamb was punished and took the place of a sinner. If the sinner paid for his own sins, there would be no forgiveness, for he would be dead. Forgiveness is only realized by any sinner when someone else pays the price. That is how Christ died. He took our place. He was our sacrifice. He was our payment. He was our sin bearer. His blood was shed and his body was offered on Calvary for us. He was not forcibly crucified at Calvary. He willingly laid down his life by shedding his blood and offering his body on our behalf. In John 10, 15, Jesus said this, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. In 1 Peter 3, 18, I love these, the way that Peter wrote this. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just, that's Jesus, for the unjust, that's me and you, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Why did he die? For our sins. Christ was absolutely sinless. He had no sins of his own. The only reason he died was for our sins. To present the gospel to anyone, they must understand their sinfulness. Romans 3.23, we know these verses. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.12, they're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Isaiah 53.5 and 6 wrote it like this. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, look at this, the iniquity of us all. He bore the entire brunt of the sins of the entire world. I cannot even fathom what Jesus Christ went through on Calvary. The second element of the gospel of Christ is that he was buried. The fact that Christ died on Calvary is further accentuated by his burial in a tomb. If Christ did not die, why bury him? If he simply swooned as some claim, why did Joseph take him to his own tomb and lay him there? Why did the women prepare his body with spices and ointment if Christ did not die? Even the Roman soldiers knew that Christ was dead 
when they came to break his legs to hasten his death. We read about it in John 19 verses 33 through 35 where we read these words. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was prophesied that what not one bone of Jesus Christ would be broken. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it, look at this, bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. He died so we could believe. And then lastly, the gospel is the greatest news anyone could hear because, number three, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ did not stay dead. He arose from the dead. He is alive. In Paul's declaration of the gospel, he tells us of those who saw him alive. Beginning in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15, he said this, And that he was seen of Cephas, that's, that's Simon Peter, and then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, at once, to whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Each gospel writer emphasizes the truth of this good news. In Matthew, we read these words, Matthew 28, 5 and 6. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he saith, come, see the place where the Lord lay. Mark 16, 5 and 6. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Luke 24, 5 and 6. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. And then John 20, verses 6 through 8. Then cometh Simon Peter following, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes. He didn't see Jesus, he just saw clothes laying. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, that'll be John, and he saw and believed. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ. That's where we get goofed up. When we get to doubting, when we get to wondering, are we really saved? We get to looking at, did we do it right? Did we get it right? Did we do everything right? It's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. What he did at Calvary. What he did in the grave. What he did is all about Jesus Christ. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ and what he did that he might freely and forever save whosoever. The only thing we're asked to do is, by faith, 
believe the gospel. Acts 15, 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Have you believed? Are you saved? If you are, tell someone else the wonderful news of the gospel. Always stand for that gospel. Don't let anybody add anything to it. Don't let anybody take anything away from it. Because it is all about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. It's how we're saved tonight. That's why we still have church tonight. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. If you enjoyed that, say amen. Where are you going to find the gospel at? A bunch of, I'm talking about scholars here tonight. I'm a good mind to give every one of you a doctorate. Amen. At the end of this study. Dr. Warren, Dr. Terry. What about that? Dr. Joe. Hey, I like that. Dr. Clay. Dr. Jeff. How about that now, Doc? (laughs) Amen. All right. Brother Ron Bagley, you dismiss us tonight.